Hallelujah. Praise God forever. Thank God. Let's turn our Bibles tonight to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. Hallelujah. I'm so excited. I scheduled a three-day vacation with my grandkids. We're going to go to Florida and learn to snorkel and spearfish. But it sounds safe, but what if Quentin gets a 10-pound fish and it takes him off? <laughs> yeah. yeah, could be. Hallelujah. So, <laughs> but I'm excited. Hallelujah. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12th chapter. I know I got it in here. And uh, there you go. Let's read from verse uh, 7 on down through 11. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given unto every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of hearing or healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirit, to another diverse kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of these tongues. But all these worketh that one and the self same spirit dividing to every man severally as he wills. Now we're going to talk about the word of wisdom. What is the word of wisdom? The word of wisdom is simply the instructional part of the use of any type of knowledge. You could be wise you could understand or be learned in many things, but if you don't have the wisdom to orchestrate what you know, how many of you understand that you're not going to be a success? Well, that's what wisdom is. Wisdom is the ability to use, to use knowledge to a successful end. I think that one of the great things that misses, that is missing in any faith walk is the word of wisdom. Because people can use faith, but if you're not using it the way that God has selected for you to use it or the way that it's designed to be used, you'll use it however somebody else tells you to use it. But we need to be led of God, and the word of wisdom is given unto us to be able to use the knowledge that we have about a situation so that we can have a successful end. And in doing that, let's go to Second. Kings, the fourth chapter, and uh, let's look at verse 38, 2 Kings 4, 38, and it says, and Elisha came to Gilgal, and there was a dearth or drought in the land, and the sons of the prophets were sitting before him. And he said unto his servant, sit, sit on the great pot, put on the big pot, and, uh, see the, and see the porridge and the sons of the prophets. And one of them went out into the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine and gathered thereof wild gores, and his lap was full, and he came and shredded them into the pot of porridge, and they knew them not. 
So they poured out to the men to eat. And it came to pass that as they were eating of the pot or of the porridge, that they cried out and said, O thou man of God, there is death in the pot, and they could not eat thereof. But he said to them, Bring me meal. And he cast it into the pot, and he said, Pour out for the people, and that they may eat. And there was no harm in the pot. Now, I understand that maybe a chemist could have figured out what type of poison was in that pot. But Elisha is not a chemist. He's a prophet of God. And there is porridge they have made. It was ready, and somebody throws something in that was not eatable. It was poisonous. And so the men begin to get sick, whether it's food poisoning or however it affects them. But the prophet of God gets a word from God. Now we could say, well, that was just, you know, a chemical reaction. Well, whatever it was, it was beyond the knowledge and the understanding of what was taking place. They didn't know what kind of gourd was put in there. They didn't know what kind of other food that was there. They don't know what made it poisonous. They just know that a gourd, some way there was a reaction to that out of the pot. And the prophet of God gets a word of wisdom. A word of wisdom is that he has knowledge of what is in the pot. He has knowledge that there is grain here, there is meal. And what he does here is he asks, by a word of wisdom, God tells him, throw in a handful of meal. So he takes and throws in a handful of meal. Looks like very insignificant, but some way, how many know that God is the chemist of all chemists? Absolutely. So God gives a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom to Elisha, and Elisha throws it in, and it takes the poison out of or causes it to be reversed, and the porridge becomes edible. Well, you know, that's how we do in life. You know, we can use faith. And we put everything comes into our life, and our life is a mismatch of all kinds of things, relationships, financial things, jobs, associations, and all of those. But sometimes there's a relationship that can come in, and it can be toxic to our life. And it can just affect every area of our life. And so what happens is God can give us a word of wisdom how to deal with that issue in our life sometimes people are asking counsel and counsel is great because there's safety in the multitude of counsel but before we ever seek the counsel of people we ought to seek the wisdom of god remember that god has wisdom and he says god will give liberally to any man that asks of him, that ask of him any man that lacks wisdom if you don't know how to handle a situation before you go buy a book before you go to 15 other people how about going to the scriptures and seeking god's will about it and as you begin to seek god's will understand that that word will speak to you it will give you a word of wisdom it'll unveil itself to you then once you get the word that you have heard from god then you have that word tested proven in other words, you take it before counsel. Whether you take it before your friends or other people and they say, you know what, I think that's the word of the Lord. Because once wisdom is unveiled, people recognize wisdom. 
they recognized the wisdom of Jesus' words. How does this man speak such wisdom that even the devils, even the devils obey him? So the word of wisdom gives us the ability to move into the ranks in and out of evil, of wickedness, and to handle them and be superior over them because of the wisdom of the Lord. But if you just get the wisdom of man, excluding the wisdom of the Lord, you're going to get man's results. Now, it doesn't mean that man's not wise, but they're only wise to the point that they usually have experienced wisdom by exercising it through the process of failure and success. And I don't want to learn from the hard school of knowledge been there done that i just don't mind visiting but i don't want to go back amen and so we need to have wisdom we need to have a word of wisdom pray about it begin to ask god god loose the word of wisdom in my life god give me a word of wisdom that will resolve this issue and when you do you'll resolve it and there will be life instead of death in the things that you're discerning or the things that you're involved in amen and so we have seen so many people that we say, well, you know, they didn't have enough faith. They didn't. Well, if you had enough faith to be saved, you probably have enough faith to get a hold of God anytime you want. I mean, if you got a hold of him the first time when you was a sinner, you probably have enough faith to get a hold of him every time. Amen? You, if you got a hold of him when you were an enemy, you ought to be able to get a hold of him when you're a son. Absolutely. So... I don't think that faith is always the question. I think it's the wisdom of how you use faith and what you do while faith is in its process. Uh, let's say that you have a need. You know, now most people say, well, how am I going to meet this need? Well, you know, you could go. Well, you know, you could get it refinanced and you could do this and you can do that. And... I have no problem if that's what you want to do. But you could come to God and you begin to under and begin to study until a revelation of giving, a revelation of sowing and reaping, and then you could ask God for the wisdom of what piece of ground that he would have you sow your seed into. And then ask God that Father when my harvest comes in, make me wise enough to discern what is a harvest and what is not. See, sometimes when people sow a seed, here's what they think a seed is. Well, I gave $100, so I'm going to get a, a $10,000 next week. Well, maybe you will, maybe you won't. Well, that's how God works. No, that's not how God works. That's how you want him to work. And you've heard the testimonies about the people that it's worked for, God, for them that way. You know, praise God, I woke up and didn't have nothing, and all of a sudden somebody gave me a house. Hallelujah! So you think that's how it's going to work for you. You sow a seed or you sow a splinter, and a house is going to come to you. But really, the Bible gives us words of wisdom that says that the kingdom of God is like as if a man would sow a seed into the ground. And yet that it would grow night and day. There would be a stock, then there would be a leaf, and then another leaf, more stock. And then all of a sudden, the harvest is there. In other words, when you sow a seed, the miracle comes. 
But more times than not, it comes in small portions of your harvest. Uh, who's a farmer here? You, you farm that? Okay. Uh, when you uh, sow corn, you get a whole field of corn, and you're going to harvest that corn. You just pull it up, and all of a sudden, the wangles pull full, and you just pull away, right? Oh, it don't work that way. Really? So you take one stock at a time, and that harvest comes off that cob one kernel at a time. And so you do the whole field, and you end up with a harvest. But what if you had a hole in the chute that was leading from the cob to the wagon, and your seed kept going through that chute? It's not that the harvest was not there. It's just that you never grasped the harvest. Right? Sometimes Christians, when they give seeds, they believe that they have received. So, you know, here it comes. Sunday morning, somebody comes up and slaps them with the hand of evangelism and gives them $20. And praise God. You go out and say, man, look at this. Somebody gave me $20. And your wife says, oh, man, somebody gave me 22 Really, praise God, let's go out and eat. Really, there's a hole in the chute already. See, God is bringing, now, how does the harvest come? It comes one seed at a time. You want it to be the whole barn. No, no, that is the harvest. But the harvest process is the mind of wisdom. Could get an amen. Yeah. Hello, yep. So see, we have so many Christians say, oh, I gave one time, I didn't get anything. I dare you to prove that God was unfaithful. And I'll show you where your own gluttony and your own lust conceived your harvest and you never seen what you thought you should have. But God was faithful. That's what, that's what I'm telling you that right now. Now, so you go to the grocery store and you spend uh, $80 every week. I don't know what people spend. I'm, I'm afraid to go to the grocery store. You can get mugged, somebody steal your shoes and your pants and your groceries and leave your billfold. There's more in the grocery cart and your shoes and, and your pants than there are in your billfold. And, uh, you know, so you go in there and all of a sudden you come out and it's only $65. Oh, man, boy, praise God. Honey, how'd you get off so cheap? Well, I just found a lot of sales. Really? Really? I would say maybe it was God that put what you needed on sale. Oh, that's just coincidence. Well, you could live by coincidence or you could live by God. Amen. So I choose to live by God. So the wise man would say, since I didn't have this $15 on in my account anyway, I'm going to take that $15 and put it toward my harvest. I perceive this is supernatural. Kroger's is just not this nice. So you go to buy a shirt, and lo and behold, it's on sale 50%. Really? Yes, absolutely. Man, I hit it just right. Really? Or did God position you to hit it just right? I mean, I know that all the stores are waiting to give you 50% off. I, I understand that. I don't understand that. That's a lie. So you understand that anything that happens out of the abnormal, I would perceive to be God. Now you can count it whatever you want. Now if, you, if it's just presumption, 
or you think you just hit it at the right time, go out to lunch. But if you perceive that it's God doing something for you, then take the kernels of that harvest and put them in a barn. So that at the end of your harvest season, you can say, this is what the Lord hath done. That's what you can do. So we use wisdom. But everybody thinks that, you know, well, I gave $100, and man, hallelujah, I'm going to get $100,000, a hundredfold. Well, you can do that. And I'm not saying your seed will not produce a hundredfold. It will. But you have to be smart enough to extract it from the fields that you walk through in life. Amen. And so we have to be able to use wisdom. So a lot of faith failures are not faith failures at all. They are a lack of wisdom. And so wisdom is, uh, enables faith to work correctly and to go through the process of the work of faith. And so we have to be wise enough to see that. Could it get an amen? All righty, hallelujah. Now let's turn our Bibles to uh, Joshua, the uh, seventh chapter in verse 20. This is Joshua going around uh, Jericho. We all know that they go around it seven times and they're quiet. But where did they get the instruction of how to use their faith? Now, being quiet was an act of faith because it was an act of obedience. Shouting when they were supposed to shout was an act of faith because it was an act of obedience. But who gave them the direction of how to use their faith correctly. Now, most people would have come up to the city and said, hey, we have to storm Jericho. And they would have built walls and they would have built, you know, uh, uh, catapults and all that kind of stuff, ladders, trying to scale the walls. And they would have lost, and that's why Jericho was impenetrable up to this time. But this time, they have the wisdom of God. And so it says, uh, let's see, where we want to start at. Well, somebody help me. Hallelujah. Is it, yeah, the sixth, seventh chapter, isn't it? Listen to your Bible. See, is it, is it falling? The battle unfolds as the ambush. No, is it? 620. Hey, thank you. Praise God for smart people. All right. Joshua 620 says this. And the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets. And it came to pass that when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, that the people shouted with a great shout. And the wall fell down so that the people went in unto the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. And they were utterly destroyed, all that was in the city, both man and woman, and young and old, oxen and sheep, and ass with the edge of the sword. Now we know that that act of faith took place after seven days of going around. Now, they walk around the city seven days. Why do they do that? It is the wisdom of the Lord. You say, but I don't understand that. Right, it's the wisdom of the Lord. 
we don't know what took place. Amen? Now, I, I mean, I believe that God pushed the walls straight down. And if you go to Jericho, which I've been there today, guess what? That city is still straight down in the ground. The walls of that city did not fall. They fell straight down. Now, I don't know if I have seen people uh, sing or use a perfect C and break glass. I don't know if God is so scientific and he understands every act and every reaction that he had them walk around. Do you know that men, uh, a military man, would not walk across the bridge in cadence? Do you know that? They don't do that because the bridge can break. A cadence or a certain sound or a certain beat can cause a bridge to break. That's why they don't do it in cadence. And so maybe God understood all of those things and he had them walking around in cadence and had them shout and instead of breaking a glass, just totally opened up the bottom of the earth. I don't know. Or I don't know if God just pushed it down. But I do know that the walls fell straight down. And so that was a miracle. So God gave them a word of wisdom. A word of wisdom. And that word of wisdom is what caused the walls of Jericho to fall and not one Israelite to lose their life. So that is a word of wisdom. And there are a lot of things that, you know, there is a time to be still. There is a time to be quiet. There is a time then to raise the trumpet. And there's a time to shout the shout of victory. There is a time to speak and there's a time to be quiet. And so God gives us wisdom when to speak and when not to speak. Amen? And so that's a word of wisdom. Not only that, God gives us, if you go to 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. <coughs> excuse me. 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. And we'll look at verse 9 down through 13 that God gives us wisdom in words. And it's a word of wisdom, and it's not wisdom learned from man or institutions. It is learned from God. In verse 9 it says, But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Now, realize that they've been prepared, but they haven't been partaken of. In other words, they've kind of been sheltered. They've, they've been hid away. And it says, but God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit, for the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man, which is in man? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. Now we have not received the spirit of the world, but we have received the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given unto us by God. Now notice, remember the Holy Ghost when he comes in John the 16th chapter, John 14th and 15th, says that the Holy Ghost will teach you things to come. He'll show you things. Jesus said, I have many things to share unto you, but I can't do it, but when the Holy Ghost comes, he will show you. Now it reveals to us here that we receive that Spirit of God, and that Spirit teaches us, and it says in verse 13, which things also we speak, 
not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but that which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. In other words, there is a language of wisdom, but there can also be the language of a foolish man. But the Holy Ghost will teach you how to make a confession. Now, I, I fully believe this, that confessions of faith should not be born by mimicking what somebody else has told you to say. They should be discovered by your personal seeking of God and the Holy Ghost deposit of wisdom into you by God. Because now it's a confession of faith before it's a repeat of a man. And so we have taught the church that if you say it enough, it'll come to pass. That's not true. Absolutely not. What you say in faith will come to pass. And faith has to be mixed with wisdom. Wisdom, in other words, takes a promise. It constructs the knowledge of that promise, which is God's will, and it constructs it to the point that you can speak it successfully, things that were as though, the things which were not as though they were. It teaches you how to talk a language that has to do with heaven, that has to do with faith. That is a word of wisdom. So when God gives you a revelation and shows you how to speak it and takes you out of the realm of you just mimicking people, and I don't think that it's, you can buy any book you want, but I wouldn't buy a book of parrots and start saying what somebody else says. I would rather go to God and let God put a word in my mouth. When God puts a word in my mouth, it's a word of wisdom. And God wants to give that to me liberally, but if I don't go to him, I'll just be repeating what everybody else says. Well, doesn't it work because it worked for so-and-so? You're right. Can you live off of so-and-so's faith? No. Can you live off of his relationship? No. Can you live off of his seed? No. You have to create your own life. Every justified person shall live by faith. We don't piggyback off of everybody else's faith. Yes, hallelujah. Praise God. You know, what that ends up is being a sect. We have sects in the church. You know, uh, used to be, not so much today, but there used to be the sect of the Copenhagens. Copenhagens. The Copelandites and the Hagenites. And uh, they believed that they were the fourth part of the Trinity. And whatever brother so-and-so said in Dallas, Texas was higher than what God said. It had to be true. It used to be before the web. It used to be brother so-and-so said. Now it's, well, the Internet said. You know, hallelujah. And uh, so, and then the same thing would be, well, brother so-and-so said if we did this. Well, he is telling you if you do that. But what he doesn't tell you is that he has been spending time with God and he has been given the wisdom of the Lord for his tongue. But he hasn't been given the wisdom of the Lord for your tongue. You have to dig it out your own self. 
And if you're too lazy to do that, you'll just live off the tongue of a parrot. Come on, could I get an amen? Hallelujah, absolutely. All right, so now let's go to, uh, oh gosh, oh, let's go to, no, that's, yeah, two, three. Let's, okay, let's go to 2 Kings 6, 1 through 7. 2 Kings 6, 1 through 7. So I encourage you, whenever you're about to do an act of faith, that you pray, that you ask of God to loose the word of wisdom. And you say, well, can you do that? Well, remember, in 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter, if you pray in tongues, pray that there would be an interpreter. And if there's none there, that you speak to yourself and you speak unto God. But it also says, pray that you would interpret. So if you could interpret, pray for one gift to be loosed in your life, could you pray for another gift? Well, certainly you could. So we want to make sure that we understand that these gifts are given to us, not to just to observe or to see in other people's lives, but to use for the profit of our own life. All right, 2 Kings 6, 1, it says this, And the sons of the prophet said unto Elisha, Behold now, the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. I would have told Elijah, get out and get your own place. But he didn't. He said, let's build. And he says, let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam, and let us make us a place there where we might, where we might dwell. And, the, and he answered, go ye. And one said, be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. And so he went with them. And when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. And as one of them was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place, and he cut down a stick and cast it thither, and the iron did swim. Therefore said he, Take it up to thee. And he put out his hand, and took it up. Now, faith makes anything possible, doesn't it? Absolutely. But faith used wrongly is just actions with no response from God. But Elisha got a word of wisdom. God, what do you want me to do to cause this to turn around. God could have told him many things, go dump your, dip yourself seven times upstream. He could have said that. Or he could have said, well, go right on the other side of where it stopped and put your foot into Jordan and I'll dry it up like I did for Joshua. He could have done that. But God gives him a word of wisdom. And the word of wisdom, though it seems foolish to you and I, what was, he, was there a chemical reaction? I highly doubt it, but I'm telling you what God is doing is causing Elisha to disassociate himself from rhyme and reason and move into the area where faith is the only wise thing to do. And so he takes a branch off of a tree and he casts it into the water and the axe head floats to the top. 
No, it didn't float. It swam. That means the metal was moving. Not that it just became buoyant. It was doing the backstroke, the breaststroke, the overstroke, the get to the top stroke. I don't know, but it was doing something. It was swimming. Swimming is not floating. Amen. And so we have to understand. You, but that doesn't make sense. When does faith make sense? Does it make sense to call a man out of a grave after being dead for four days? No. Does it make sense to take a few loaves and a few fishes and break them and feed 5,000 men besides their families? No. Does it, is it reasonable that you take a coin and you sow it and believe that God multiplies it? How, how does that happen? Does, does, how, how do miracles happen? They don't happen within the realm of reason. They happen in the realm of faith. And so God gives Elisha a word of wisdom. Do this. It's not about, you know, whether the water changes, the axe head swims. What it matters is that he has chosen to walk in the way of wisdom which delivers from the snares of hell beneath. He has chosen to walk in the way of life. The just shall live by faith. So he has chosen to live this life of those that know God. And he does it and he moves in an area of wisdom that supersedes reason and rationale. And he takes a limb and he throws it into the water. Doesn't say anything, just throws the limb into the water. And I'm sure that Elisha, when he saw it swimming, he said, I ain't picking that thing up. It might bite me. It, it's alive. And so the young man puts his hand forth and takes the axe head up. Now, that doesn't seem rational to us. Well, I just think that was stupid. Well, not if you had borrowed the axe head, right? Sometimes we think that, you know, acts of faith are foolish. Have you ever tried speaking to a storm? Seem kind of foolish? Oh, yeah. How about uh, speaking to a mountain? Maybe going out and talking to your sycamore tree in your front yard. Whatever it might be, you talk to things and you think that's foolish when you're doing it by faith, but you talk to your dog. I'm sure that he thinks you're just an amazing intellectual being. You're talking to me. Don't you know that I can't talk back? You talk to your car. Of course it responds to you and says, yes, master, what would you like? Sure, you talk to your rug, you talk to your door when you stub your toe on it. You talk to all kinds of stuff. That's crazy. But there is a place where wisdom supersedes rationale. And that's where faith is set in motion. Not so much about how it's working, it's just that the word of wisdom lets faith work. Amen? So, the word of wisdom helps us use faith successfully. Not that it makes sense in our own mind, but it makes sense in God's mind. Let's go to 2 Corinthians, uh, I'm sorry, 2 Kings, the fourth chapter. We all know this passage of scripture about the woman uh, <clears throat> whose husband worked for a prophet, the prophet, and 
he dies, doesn't say whether he was sick, doesn't say he got killed, doesn't say really anything except that he died and he worked for you and uh, he didn't leave us an inheritance. And it says, now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha saying, thy servant, my husband is dead. And thou knowest that, that my servant did fear the Lord and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bound. And Elisha said unto her, what, is, what shall I do for thee? Tell me which, what thou hast in thine house. And she said, thine handmaiden hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. Never doubt what you have is enough. You don't need what you don't have. And it says, and then said, then he said, go, borrow thee vessels abroad from all of thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when thou art come into thine house, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out into all of these vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him, and she shut the door upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. And it came to pass that when the, the vessels were full, that she said unto her sons, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not any vessel more. And the oil stayed. And she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil, pay thy debt, and live thou and thy children off the rest. Now, certainly that was an act of faith. That was the working of miracle. It was a miraculous event. It was an intervention of God into the natural course of what was set in motion because of the lack of finances. But God gives Elisha a word of wisdom, a word of wisdom. Elisha wants to help the woman, but he doesn't know how to use his faith. God, how could I use my faith? Well, I'll just meet her need. Sometimes meeting needs short-circuit the overall miracle plan of God. That's why we have to be very careful that we don't try to be God in somebody's life. You know, as, as an individual, I'm motivated many times that I want to meet people's needs. But many times God tells me, don't meddle with what their faith is producing. See, I want to jump in and meet the need, but God is preparing them to live a life beyond that need. And so he is preparing them to be a people of faith. And if I intervene, if I break in, then guess what? Their faith is short-circuited. So they really never see God. Well, their need got met. Well, I understand that. But remember, God's not just about meeting needs. He's about meeting desires. He's about giving abundant life. He's about enabling you to have sufficiency in all things that you may abound under good works. That's what God wants to do. So we don't want to just meet a need. We want to let the course of the school that God is taking them through, them learning how to use faith, how to be patient, how to have self-control, self-rule, how to wait and see what the Lord is doing and to see a miracle from the beginning to the end so they can duplicate it 
a million times. Amen? Wouldn't that be better than somebody just meeting your need? It'd be far better if you learned how to get a miracle a million times over. Amen? See, a lot of, a lot of you are where you're at today because of what you've been through. Now, should you change what you've been through? No, because where you are today, you could get there a hundred times. But if you had never been through what you've been through, by faith, you could never get here again. So it's important that you come here and what you went through, don't change it. Don't, you know, people ask me sometimes, oh, well, what would you change? Nothing. What would I be without of where I have been? What would I have been what would I be if I had not experienced God the way I had experienced him? What if I hadn't been so desperate there was no alternative except get a hold of God? What if my pastor would have said, well, you know, there's other ways we can do this. Instead of saying, well, you ought to seek God and get a hold of him. And when you do, we'll know it. Hey, wasn't that great? Hallelujah. That was a lightning flash. But see, we're always trying to put Band-Aids and what we don't realize is God's trying to set in a precedent that we can duplicate every time. Every time. And so this woman here, God gives Elisha a word of wisdom. Now remember, it's not ration. rationale. is not reason. It doesn't make sense to you. But faith doesn't make sense to the fool. Remember that God takes the foolish things of this world and he confounds the wise. In other words, faith really many times doesn't work for the individual that relies on intellect. So we see here that Elisha says, go get you vessels and make them empty and then you'll pour what you have. In other words, God will multiply what's in your hand if you do what I'm telling you to do. So she goes and she pours and pours and pours and pours and pours. And, you know, of course, everybody has, well, she should have borrowed more vessels of oil. She should have went outside and said, here, I'll, I'll sell you oil. She could have, maybe, maybe not. The miracle wasn't for the community. The miracle was for one thing, her to pay her debt, have sufficiency to live, to the end of her life, her life, and for her sons to live to the end of their life. Now that's what the oil was for. That's what the act of faith was for. He was paying a debt to an employee. And so here we see that a word of wisdom. Doesn't make sense, but it is a word of wisdom. And so they used that word of wisdom. That word of wisdom. And when he gives her that word of wisdom, it works. Well, could she have went back and did it again? No. A word of wisdom is for an act or to accomplish a successful end with where you're at today. The thing about the gifts of the Spirit is they always demand your reliance upon God. Always. In fact, he divides severally as he wills. In other words, he chooses what gift is going to be active or operative in that situation. And so, we know that we're always dependent upon him. You know, sometimes people think that we live by faith that we have used before. No, faith is a unique substance. After you use it, it's used. <clears throat> it's used. Now, it can be duplicated, 
but you have to replenish it. If faith is like a seed and you sow that seed, you don't have the seed anymore once you sowed it. But see, Christians think, well, I'll use my faith once, praise God. I, I know God will do it every time. He will as long as you keep feeding your faith or replacing that seed. You can't live on yesterday's revelation. They might be good for your spiritual blurbs, but they're not good for the battles that you face. You need a fresh word from God. And we live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And so we get up, just like they did in Israel every day, and we grab fresh manna. Amen? Because what you had yesterday is not fit for today. Remember, tomorrow has evil in it, and it's waiting for you. You're dealing with the evil that you're facing now and you're going through. But tomorrow is a new day. You're going to have to put a sword in your sheath to fight that fight. But so many Christians, well, you know, I know that stuff. So they just go back and, you know, say what they think should be said and did uh, speak it the way they did speak it. Not, but listen, once faith has been applied, it's already been used. You need to replenish it. Faith doesn't live by what's been heard. Faith comes by hearing and hearing right now of, from the word of God. So, you know, sometimes do, do this. Instead of just doing something consistently, like, well, you know, I, I pay tithes every Sunday. And that's good. Hallelujah. I'm glad. I think you ought to pay double tithes. Praise God. And but... How many of us have went back and refurbished, remodeled, reestablished, rejuvenated, brought new life to our faith in tithing? And as soon as we stop doing that, we become religious about it. Now, let me tell you how, uh, if you're religious, and I'll give you a little yardstick. If you quit confessing on Monday what your faith and your tithe did on Sunday, you're probably religious. Why? Because you speak what you believe. And since you aren't saying anything, you really aren't believing anything about your tithe. So, if you aren't making a confession after your operation of faith, that would tell me that it's not really faith, it's probably just religion. And Christians can start out in faith and become religious. Yes, hallelujah. Amen. It, isn't that what church folks do? We all start out in faith, but we end up in religion. Why? Because faith loses its reality right absolutely praise god all right stand your feet praise the lord i'm, I'm sorry i'm i'll help the methodist church next week praise god hallelujah praise the lord father in the name of jesus we thank you and god we loose right now we loose god the word of wisdom we loose god the word of wisdom we loose, God, the word of wisdom that will unveil to us 
how to speak, how to orchestrate, how to release, and how to activate our faith in a way that, God, you would have us do it. Lead us and guide us, God. Speak to us where to sow a seed, when to sow a seed, how to sow a seed, God, and, God, what to declare over that seed. Now, Father, we loose the word of wisdom. We loose the word of wisdom. God, we loose the basics of wisdom that says you can't use what you've already sowed. But God, we can replenish our faith. We can renew, refresh, refeed, reseed ourselves with fresh faith that comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God in the now. That God, our confessions will not be the confessions that are borrowed from others. But our confessions will be filled with the word of wisdom. And God, it'll be the wisdom that comes from on high, not as men teaches, but the way that the Holy Ghost teaches us how to speak. Now, God, we thank you. And I loose that word of wisdom, how to resolve issues. Give us a word to speak in the midst of those that are contentious. God, give us a word that will bring peace to division areas. God, give us peace, God, in areas of conflict. God, we loose right now the gift of the word of wisdom. Let it guide us. Let us lead us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. See you Sunday morning and starting on the Church of Philadelphia.